The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message concludes a sermon by Elder Ronald Lawrence at our 2022 annual meeting regarding the Good Samaritan. question, who is my neighbor, is asked by a lawyer in that account, and Brother Ronald does a wonderful job examining this account and explaining to us the great principles of love and discipleship that Jesus is teaching, not just those who are in the audience that day, but also to us today. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. But this man here is left half dead on the way down to Jericho. And then a man comes along and identifies the priest. Now, when you're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, to really understand the New Testament, you need to understand uh, the different groups of people that are identified in the New Testament. In other words, what's a Pharisee? What's a Sadducee? What's a scribe? What's a lawyer? Um, what's a chief priest, scribe, and elder? Of course, most of the people that the Lord Jesus Christ interacted with and was mingled with and was around all the time outside disciples are people identified like that. So if you don't know what these all mean, for example, you don't know what a priest and a Levite means here, and a little bit later on, uh, 
you know, a Samaritan, then this story is going to lose its impact. It's going to lose a tremendous amount of impact to this story if you don't understand some of those things. You know, a Pharisee, what's, what's a Pharisee? Well, he, he was somebody who was fair, you see. <laughs> and he wanted everybody to know how fair he was, how righteous he was, how pious he was. And this is a group of people the Lord pronounced a number of woes on. And you go over here to Matthew chapter 23. And the Sadducee. I mean, uh, it's just amazing how these words reflect these kind of people. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. If I didn't believe in the resurrection, I'd be sad, you see. And I trust you'd be sad, you see. It's just amazing about these words. So what about a priest? What about a publican? Uh, This priest comes by and he says, by chance. Now, I'm a strong believer in the providence of God. I trust, me and Brother Chris were talking about this a lot last night, and I gave some experiences I had last night. I'm telling you what, for the providence of God, you'd be hearing a different preacher here this morning. I guarantee you that. I wouldn't be around. I believe very strongly in the very providence of God. That's God providing. That's what the word basically means. The word provides, right in the word providence, means God provides. And God has provided all down through the ages, has he not, for God's people. He's provided for me, I'm telling you, every single day that I've lived upon the face of this earth. I try to pray every single day for God to guide me, direct me, and protect me. Uh, I want his uh, everlasting arms around me. I don't believe this is just words I use to try to make me feel better. I literally believe in a God, my friends, who has everlasting arms, who can reach unto me and draw me nigh to him and close unto him, me, uh, unto him rather, and, and guide my footsteps and guide my thoughts and guide my feelings one thing or another and protect me. And I'm going to tell you, when you travel out here in this day and age, you need protection. You need protection. You need the protection like God gave unto Elisha. You remember that? In 2 Kings chapter 6, you're going to find where Elisha's servant looked out there and he saw the enemy and he saw the horses and the chariots and he came back and he was quite concerned about it. And he spoke to the master about it, Elisha about it. And Elisha didn't rebuke him. He didn't reprove him. He didn't criticize him. He just prayed to God his eyes might be open and God opened his eyes and he saw another army. And he saw an army of horses and chariots of fire, and that made the difference. The enemies had horses and chariots, but God's army is horses and chariots of fire. And it says it was round about Elisha. In other words, for the enemy to get to Elisha, they got to come through God's army. That's the kind of protection I'm looking at. It says round about Elisha. <laughs> well, you know, you've got these roundabouts when you're driving. And sometimes I enter into it, and I wind up coming roundabout, going right back the way I came. I mean, I missed the road I'm supposed to get on. But God's roundabout's different. I want God's arms round about me. Now I believe in the providence of God. But here, by chance, I believe in chance as well. Amen. In the ninth chapter of Ecclesiastes, the wise man Solomon speaks about the brave. The battle's not to the brave. The race is not to the swift, etc., etc. Describes several categories of people. And then he says, and time and chance happened to them all. There's been some odd things that's happened in my life, and I think it was just chance. It was just a coincidence. I believe that. But I will tell you, I'm going to pause. I want to be real sure that when something good happens to me, and it seems kind of odd and strange the way it came about, I don't give credit to chance. I don't give credit to my uh, friends to coincidence. I'm going to give credit to providence. I'm going to give God the praise and the honor and the glory. I eliminated the word luck out of my vocabulary a long time ago. There's only one time that I allow myself to use the word luck in my conversation, and that's when I'm playing horseshoes and I get a ringer. I can assure you it's not a skill. 
I mean, when it's halfway down there and just turns one way or the other, just rolls, 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 and finally flops on the stake, that was not skill. So I'll say, well, I was lucky on that one. That's the only time I allow myself to, to use that word luck. Time and chance happened at all, and by chance, a priest comes along the way. Now, a priest was a Levite, and a priest uh, in the tribe of Levi had special duties and responsibilities. He, he was a, you know, it was his responsibility to uh, uh, you make offerings and sacrifices, etc., etc. He was involved in the daily uh, uh, ministry in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the service of God. Uh, he was quite versed uh, in the Old Testament where, like the lawyer gave the answer, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and, and all, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. He's been well informed about all that. And then after him, a Levite's going to come along. Now, we got a priest and a Levite here. Now, every priest was a Levite, but not every Levite was a priest. A Levite was of the tribe of Levi, and God has specially chosen them to take care of the tabernacle and the temple, et cetera, et cetera. When they entered into the land of Canaan, all the tribes of Israel got an inheritance except the tribe of Levi, but they got their inheritance was of the Lord. Their inheritance was of the Lord. And God used them as a substitute for the firstborn. Remember when God brought Israel out of Egypt, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And when they were living on the other side, God claimed the firstborn of the Israelites, but he allowed the tribe of Levi to be a substitute for them. So... They didn't have a land possession, but their inheritance in the Lord had special duties and responsibilities. And so they were very familiar with, with uh, the offerings and the sacrifices, the duties and responsibilities, all associated with the temple and the manner and way of worship of God. So a priest, by chance, comes along. The Bible says he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. The Levite come along, looked upon him, and I take that really as he got a little closer maybe. And he looked right on this man. And he passed by to the other side. Neither one of them was loving their neighbor as thyself. These are Jews. The priest and the Levite, both are Jews. And they passed by on the other side. In the book of Mark chapter 10, you'll find there's a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus cried out to the Lord. One of the other writers say there was two of them, but Mark zeroes in on one. And Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, uh, you know, have mercy upon me. And the Bible says Jesus stood still. I'm glad Jesus didn't pass by. Or I'm, glad, I'm sure blind Bartimaeus was very glad Jesus didn't pass by. What a blessing would have, he'd have missed out on if Jesus had passed by to the other side. Jesus had enough time on his schedule to stand still. His disciples did not think he had that much time. His disciples wanted blind Bartimaeus to go or go away. But the Lord Jesus Christ stood still. He has stood still for me many times. He stood still for me, and I can relate many experiences here this morning when Jesus stood still on my behalf. Thank God he wasn't such a busy man that he couldn't stand still for me. And I want to ask you this morning, Who's the busiest man you've ever known in your life or read about? If it's anybody outside the Lord Jesus Christ, your answer's wrong. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ never took a vacation. The Lord Jesus Christ never sat on his front porch uh, with a knife and a stick and twill it, you know, a, uh, carving away or whatever. The Lord Jesus Christ had an agenda. The Lord Jesus Christ had an itinerary. When Christ got up in the morning, knew exactly what he was going to do every hour of the day. When he laid his head down at night, it was all done to a jot and to a tittle. 
Somebody says, Brother Lawrence, how do, how do you plan your schedule? I say, I don't. My schedule plans me. And that's right. I'll, on Sunday night before I go to bed, and I think, now, what, I got, what have I got to do this week? You know, what am I going to do Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all that? And I find myself sometimes on Thursday doing what I plan to do on Monday or Tuesday. That wasn't the way it was with Christ. Christ came from heaven on time. He lived here on time. He was always at every place he intended to be on time. He was never early. He was never late. He was just on time. He was crucified on time. He was buried on time. He arose on time. Went back to heaven on time. And I can assure you he'll come back the second time right on time. Amen. I know we all pray, Lord, come back today. Well, I'd like for that to happen, but he's going to come back on his time on time. Amen. He stood still. In Luke chapter 24, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he was resurrected, is walking the road to Emmaus. Or Emmaus, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like Eunice and Eunice. Everybody, I always pronounce it Eunice, and one day I said, I'm going to see how that's really pronounced. So I looked at, well, I listened to Alexander. He said it was Eunice. So the next time I preached on that, I said Eunice, and I got all these smirks out there in the congregation, <laughs> my wife being one of them. <laughs> and after church was over, she came up to me, and this other brother come up to me and says, that's not Eunice, that's Eunice. I said, I looked it up. I'll listen to it. It's Eunice, and I'll prove it to you. And the brother says, well, we're in the South. <laughs> and in the South, it's Eunice. It may be Eunice in the North, but it's Eunice in the South. Anyway, I, you know, a lot of names in the Bible are hard to uh, pronounce. I just give it my best shot, and nobody knows the difference. <laughs> I may have it right, and I may have it wrong, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know the difference. But as he's walking the road to Emmaus with them, they're talking about him. But the Bible says their eyes were holding, but they're talking about him. And finally, the Lord speaks up. And, they ask, and then they ask him, so are there a stranger here in these parts? I mean, the very man who's the subject of their conversation is right beside them, and they want to know if he's a stranger. Well, in one sense, he was. He never was at home in this world. He was always a stranger in this world. But then they came along a certain place, and Jesus made as if he would go a little further. But they constrained him to come in. And the Lord Jesus Christ obliged them, and he came in and sat down with them, and then he took over. And the Lord blessed that meal. And uh, he was the guest when he went in there, but he took over. And he blessed that meal and passed it out, and then he vanished out of their sight. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he was yet with us? Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ had enough time? Uh, and I know they were happy the Lord had enough time to come in and spend some time with them. I'm glad the Lord, as busy as man as he was, and everything he, he did while he was here in this world, he always had enough time to stand still on behalf of God's people that stood in need. That priest didn't have enough time. That Levite didn't have enough time. I don't know what was on their schedule that day. And they looked there and they saw this man. It was going to require some time, some attention, some finances, no doubt. And they passed the other side and went on their way. But then it came along a certain Samaritan. Now, there's no love lost between Jews and Samaritans. If you don't understand that, this, is, this story is going to lose its impact. The Samaritans had come into existence about 700 years prior to this when the Assyrian uh, kingdom and empire that day came and they took into captivity the northern kingdom of Israel and took most of them captive, left a few. Then they repopulated the area 
with some of the Assyrians and people from other nations they're taking captive. And over a period of time, of course, uh, they intermingle, they married, et cetera, et cetera, and they no longer, the Jews of that era, could no longer prove who they were by their genealogy. The Jews down in Judea looked down upon the Samaritans. And if you call somebody a Samaritan, which they call the Lord Jesus Christ from time a Samaritan and a devil, they were not giving him a compliment. The Jews looked upon the Gentiles as dogs. They looked upon the Samaritans, uh, you know, uh, in, in a manner and way to look down upon them. There was no love lost between the two of them. That's why the woman at Jacob's well said this to the Lord when he said, give me a drink of water. She said, how is it thou being a Jew? Ask of me a drink of water whom the Jews have no dealings with. So we have a priest and a Levite and Jews who look upon a fellow Jew who's half dead and they pass the other side and go on their way. But here's a Samaritan. In the Bible, you know, most people now call the Samaritan a good Samaritan, but the Jews never thought there was a good Samaritan. But this Samaritan comes along, says he looked upon him, he says he came where he was. When I think about this good Samaritan, it reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ in a lot of different ways. But it's also teaching me the kind of life I need to live. The kind of life uh, I need to try to incorporate, you know, I need to live. I need to have enough time to, look, uh, look, to come where people are at. And it says he came where he was at. Jesus Christ left heaven and came where we were at. He couldn't save us in heaven. He had to come where we were at. He took upon himself humanity. And he ended up going to Calvary's cross and doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So he came to where he was at. And the next thing he said, he had compassion upon him. That priest had no compassion. That Levite had no compassion. This good Samaritan's got compassion. Eight different times in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, on eight different distinct times, you'll find where the Bible says Jesus had compassion. Compassion is not pity. Compassion is putting yourself right along beside the person under consideration and walking in their footsteps, walking in their shoes. So he's looking upon him and he had compassion upon him. Jesus had compassion on the multitudes when disciples wanted to send them away. The 5,000 he's going to feed, uh, men besides women and children, with five loaves and two fishes, the disciples wanted to send them away. But the Lord Jesus Christ had compassion upon them. He had compassion, carrying them up multitudes. The last part there uh, in the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, when he said he saw the great multitudes, and he looked upon them as sheep which had no shepherd. And, uh, you know, he says, while the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, he had compassion upon them. He had compassion upon a widow woman at the city of Nain when she was going out of that city to the cemetery to bury her only son. He stopped because he had compassion. In the book of Lamentations 3 and 12, it says, It's the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. I, I, I can't say my, my compassions have always, always been what they should have been. There's been times my compassions, they fail. But the compassions of God, my friends, don't fail. It's the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Somebody says, I don't understand why the Lord continues to allow us to live here on this earth. The way things are, I'll tell you why it is, because he's a merciful God. Amen. The mercies of the Lord. That's why we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. It says, uh, great is his faithfulness. They're new every morning. When I got up this morning and the sun was shining, the mercy of God uh, was bestowed upon me one more time. It said, the Lord's mercy will not consume. His compassions, they do not fail. They've never failed and they never will fail. This man, he came to where he was at. He had compassion upon him. He came and looked upon him. 
He bound up his wounds. Aren't you glad you got a, a, a person in Christ, my friends, in heaven's pure world that can bind up your wounds, that can bind up the brokenhearted? That's exactly what Isaiah said about the Lord in Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He says to preach glad tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted. I've had a few heartbreaks along life's pathway. And I'm not talking about when I was 15 and 16 and got my heart broke by somebody I had my eyes on. I'm not talking about that kind of heartbreak. <laughs> I'm talking about real heartbreak. I'm talking about sorrow. I'm talking about affliction. I'm talking about health issues. I'm talking about the death of loved ones. When your heart is breaking, my friends, when sorrow is there and grief is filled, and you've got one in heaven that can understand what you're going through. You've got a great high priest who can be touched to the feelings of your infirmities. And when you call upon him, coming to the great throne of God's grace, you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He came to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine. He, he did the very best he could for him. And then he put him on his beast and brought him to the end and said to the host of the end, says, uh, take care of it. But start with it. He said he took him there and he took care of him. I'm glad we got a God that can take care of us. Peter says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And I'm telling you, every single day, God displays his great care of you, whether you understand it, whether you see it, or whether you don't. There's a time when the disciples were on that ship in the first storm, and they woke Christ up when the waves were coming into the, into the boat, into the ship. And Christ is asleep in the bottom of the ship. And they came and they woke him up. Here's what they said. Careest not that we perish. Had they not already seen his care time and time again. But when the great storm came, the doubts came in their minds. And if you're honest with me this morning, I'm honest with you. We shouldn't be. I'm going to tell you, there might have been times in my life when I thought, Lord, uh, uh, where's that care that you promised to give me? And about that time, he manifested, you see. I'm telling you, he cares for you, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The apostle Peter wrote that. It's the apostle Peter who asked that in that great storm. Master, cares not that we perish? He tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, he does. Casting all your care upon him. He took care of him. Then he said to the, to the host of the end, he says, when I come back, if you spent more than what I paid you, by the way, he paid him two pence. That was two days worth of wages. So my question was, and I was thinking about this recently, <laughs> would I have been willing to part with two days wages to help somebody? He parted with two days wages. This certain Samaritan did. To help this man, he said, when I come back, if you spent more than that on this man, I'll pay you that when I come back. He wasn't just going to leave him there and forget all about him. He planned to come back that way and to check on him, see how he was doing. He said, I'll promise I'll pay you whatever I owe you whenever I come back this way. Now, the Lord asked this man the question. He said, now, which of these three was this man's neighbor? Now, I want to tell you something about these three categories of men just for a moment. The first category is the thieves. And their attitude is, what's yours is mine. Right? A thief wants to take what you got. What's yours is mine. And the priest and Levite come along and their attitude is, what's mine is mine. The good Samaritan comes along and he says, what's mine is yours. So where are we at? What is mine is yours. 
I said, the Lord's blessed me so much in my lifetime. If you could sit there and listen to me and I had enough power and strength to talk all day long, I'd just scratch the surface in trying to tell you how great the Lord's been to me. All across the country, wherever I've been, I've had people say, now listen, if you come by here and we're not here, here's, here's the key to the house right here. Uh, I'm going to show you where I hide it, right underneath the mat. <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> I'm going to show you where I hide it. And here's the key to the car. And you just come on in and you just make yourself at home, stay here just as long as you want to. See, I found fathers and I found mothers and brothers and sisters all across this land, wherever I've been. The Lord has been good to me. They're saying to me, what is ours is yours. If you have an ear, it is yours. So I pray God that we'll never have the attitude, what's yours is mine, or what mine is mine. And maybe we have the outlook and the attitude that whatever is mine is yours. And so he said, ask him the question, which of these three then was his neighbor? He said, well, you know, sometimes people have a hard time answering. I remember one time I was trying to show this lady Ephesians chapter 1. I said, now, I'm not going to explain Ephesians 1 to you. I want you to explain it to me. So let's just read it. So she opened it up and said, Ephesians 1, 4. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blame before him in love. I said, now, now, what did it say? She said, well, it says he chose us. I said, well, how about verse 5? She read, having pre 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 Pre, 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 predestinated. She couldn't hardly get it out. I watched her. She couldn't hardly say it. <laughs> Ever predestinated us unto the adoption of children of Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his own will. I said, now what did he say? She said, well, he predestinated us to the adoption of children. I said, according to his will. Well, it was his will. <laughs> I said, that's right. I got one more. Praise to the glory of his grace when he has accepted us in the beloved. Now, what did he say? She said, well, Says he accepted us. I said, how easy that was. She didn't want to say it. I made her say it. I got a feeling that's the way it was with this old lawyer. He said, well, I guess it's the one that had mercy. He said, well, you've answered right. Thank you so much for your good attention this morning. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.